You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur. Yeah, today we are here in Radio Mayapur. My name is Gangadas, and we are very, very fortunate today. It's a very auspicious day. There are many, many things happening today. It's Vasanta Panchami, which is a day as the spring. It's the beginning of the spring in India. In India, there are six seasons. So the Didi looks very beautiful, all yellow. Plus, it's also Valentine's Day. So if you love somebody, please don't forget to send them flowers. And uh, also, it's a very beautiful day in Mayapur and very peaceful. And today we are very, very fortunate to have with us Kastuba Prabhu, who is born in USA, Indiana. He studied in New York and he came in contact with the devotee in 1987. His father is from Italy. No, uh, grandfather. No, grandfather from Italy. Yeah, so he has some Italian blood in Spain. <laughs> and that's why Italian like Italian pizza and all these things. So we are very fortunate because he's doing also together with Ragnat a very important preaching program, which is uh, Wisdom of the Sages, which has been viewed by millions of people, I should say. Mm, I don't know, millions. <laughs> okay, let's say thousands. But uh, this is a, a new way of preaching because the way we got into preaching was uh, through Sankirtan, book distribution, prashad distribution, food for life, whatever. But now as the technology is advancing and everything is changing, so Shula Prabhupada said, you should task your brain how to think how to deliver the message of Lord Chaitanya. And I think these two guys, these two people, these two, my friend, you know, they, they figure out something which I could not, never think about it, of preaching through the internet. And you will think, I will listen to this, you know, but there are thousands of people interested in knowing about, uh, you know, the wisdom of the sages, which is written in the page of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And they are decoding that and they are giving this message to everybody who don't know anything about devotion. They may be not even interested in devotion, but the thing is that this message is so appealing to everybody that people get hooked. So welcome, Kastuba, to our podcast. It's an honor. To it's a great pleasure to have you with us today. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your, before you join. I don't know if you were also in a rock group or in, in a, a punk. Or, but, um, but so you interviewed Raghunath, uh Yes. recently. So the scene that he was in, even I was part of that scene, which we, we call the New York hardcore scene, hardcore punk rock. It punk was, rock, punk rock. Yeah. And so from when I was very young, I was into that. I'm about 15 years old or so. But you were also playing instrument or singing? No, or? not really. You were just listening to the music? Yeah, listening. But uh, there was, it was a very, we call it underground. You know, it was, oh, yeah, it was yeah. uh, not many people knew about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was always something happening, always um, bands playing. But it was more than just a, it was a music scene, but it was kind of like a street scene too. It was kind of like... Okay. In the neighborhood, all the kids hung out and uh, had crazy adventures. <laughs> <laughs> but I think your message was different from the other punks. Um, Raghunath's message was different. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> See, if, if to get into, when I got into it in the early 80s, mm-hmm. like 81, 82, 83, 84, it, the devotees had, let's start at the beginning. Yes. Um, 
that New York hardcore scene took place on New York's Lower East Side. So it's just in the same place where Prabhupada came. As a matter of fact, Tompkins Square Park, where she'll probably, yeah, that that's, was actually where we hung out. Um, the, there was a club on the corner uh, called A7, which was the very underground New York hardcore scene. And all the kids hung out uh, in that park or on the edges of that park. That Amazing. was kind of the, the center of it all. Um, and so devotees would naturally come there to distribute prasadam, do kirtan. So there was always some blend of the devotees entering into that world. And some of the most influential kids from that scene, it was a very young thing, but some of the most influential kids from that scene were um, introduced to to Krishna consciousness. Nice. And too. so now some years later, Raghunath's band started, I think um, in maybe 85, maybe 86. What was the name of the band? He had a band then called Youth of Today. Youth of Today. And that was what they call Straight Edge. And that was a different message than what was going on in New York. Straight edge meant no ah, ah, straight. Straight, yeah. Um, New York, that 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 straight edge idea was popular in certain every city had an underground scene of this in mm-hmm. in Washington, DC, in Boston, the idea of straight edge had caught on, but not in New York City. It was very <laughs> drug riddled <laughs> scene. Uh, but Raghunath got that started in New York. And then he was also influenced by some of the the, the earlier bands that, that were interested in Krishna consciousness. Nice. There was a band called the Crow Mags. You may yeah. have heard of them. They were my close friends when I was okay. growing up. And so um, through that, he got introduced to the ideas of Bhakti. Later, he came back and started a band called Shelter. And that was, that was now in the 90s. And that was when he first started to teach Bhakti through this music. Through the song. That was very famous, Shelter. Yeah, I mean... It, it, Relatively, right. but but they they had a following all around the world. But still, it's kind of underground. But uh, <laughs> but thousands of people were introduced to bhakti through that. But would you say that because of Shula Prabhupada came to the park under the tree and he left some vibration, some magic? Say, I would say that for sure because I don't know how else to explain it. But I'll say this, and this is really important. My friends were really uh, if if people that know them. They know. I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying that these are very tough street kids that didn't go to school, were into all kinds of trouble nonstop. Um, but somehow through reading Shil Prabhupada's books, they learned. They, 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 you know, the, what Vyasadeva recorded in these ancient texts, they understood it and could explain it through Shil Prabhupada's books. And so... I was a young kid that was kind of um, searching for what's the truth, what's life all about, you know, spiritually and so on. And and I was in New York City, so I was exposed to all kinds of different ideas. And they were able to answer my questions better than anyone, give consistent, solid, clear answers that made sense. These, these kids, these street kids, just by reading Prabhupada's books. So to me... This is one of Prabhupada's great glories that he could, um, that a Bengali gentleman, Gaudiya Vaishnava could, could share this message in such a way that the whole world could understand what to speak of these, these kids. Um, that, that, that's to me, that's, that's the miracle right there. 
Can you tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about today's position of that tree? I know that they put some uh, flag or something. Uh, or the people go there and do kirtan, still remembering Shana Prabhupada. All these are, are, they are in the area. Um, there's a plaque. It's not honestly... Not I, visible? I, I, it's visible, but it's not so impressive. Okay. Um, I think someday we really ought to make a campaign to name the park after Srila Prabhupada. And that would be nice. nice. Maybe we can do that someday. Nice. So then after that... Whom did you meet that it makes your life shift paradigm? Yeah. Because, okay, you got some information, you got, you got some idea about these kids telling you the truth and you figure out there is something yes. somewhere. So my friends through, you know, I would have many conversations with them. Um, and the, what they were saying was ringing true with me. And through them, I got Srila Prabhupada's books and I was reading Prabhupada's books for some time. And everything was ringing true. It was like, okay, this is, everything's making sense. sense. Yeah. But I wasn't quite ready to like put on the neck beads like my friends had <laughs> and say, this is, this is it. And then one day um, I'm walking down the street. It was in the winter, January of 1987. And I bumped into one friend of mine and he mentioned that uh, there's a Hare Krishna program going on in the apartment of a friend of mine. And so, um, he said, you, you know, what do you think? You want to go? And I was kind of like, ah, I don't think I want to go. And then he said, well, you know, there'll be good food there. And I said, you know, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a plus point. <laughs> Attractive. <laughs> so, uh, so that convinced me. Uh, I had been to one or two other programs in a small center uh, in, in, on, uh, in the West Village, the Greenwich Village. Uh, so I decided, so I kind of had an idea what the programs are like. I said, okay, I'll go. And uh, when I got there, it was in my friend's apartment um, on the Lower East Side. And it was a very small apartment. It was very bare, almost no furniture. And it was very clean, more clean than I had ever seen it. And uh, there's a handful of my friends there. So it's maybe like five, six, seven of us. And then and walked into Malkrishna Goswami. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, my friends who were bowing down to him. I'd never seen this kind of thing before. I'd never met a Swami or anything like that. Right. So he came and he sat down on the floor with us and spent a couple hours with us uh, speaking, you know. From the Bhagavad Gita or from any book or in general? I remember the theme. Uh, I don't even know if he opened up a book or not, but I remember the theme had to do with when anything material, material is engaged spiritually, it becomes spiritual. That's that's all that I really remember. I would love to see if there's a tape of that somewhere. I don't know if it exists. There is. Yeah. <laughs> and um but um when I walked out of that apartment, I said, "Okay, this is it. This is I, I knew that uh, now I have to dedicate my life to this." And uh so within a couple of weeks I was following the four principles and chanting 16 rounds and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, his words, you know, I often think it was um, maybe someone else could have said the exact same words, but somehow when he spoke them, they entered into the ear. And they go into and your they, heart. Really, like yeah. really, like you feel it there yeah, in yeah. the heart, you know. So he really spoke words that went to my heart and changed my life that he, night. Yeah, he was a catalyst. We call it. Yes. You know, in fiberglass, I'm a mechanic, so okay. we mix two <laughs> compounds, but you have to put a few drops of catalyst, which and will make it hard. <laughs> yeah, so amazing story. And Tamal Krishnamaraj was really a wonderful speaker. Yeah. 
very convinced himself and able to convince many other people. And Srila Prabhupada, whenever he has some doubt or some problem, he will say, call Tomah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he will call him and uh, say, oh, we have to resolve this problem, we have to, this is how, how we do it. And Tomah Krishnamaraj was very intelligent, very charismatic person. Yes. And uh, he was one, I would say a few people are born leader. He was a born leader, I would say. And then you stay in New York, you continue? Yeah, so um, that was January of 87. And then he came and stayed in New York that summer. Mm. He lived at the, the little center that they had on Greenwich Avenue mm -hmm. um, in Manhattan. And uh, he, I believe at that time he was writing the book, uh, the Srila Prabhupada Anjalila, uh, the drama that he wrote about Prabhupada's last days. And so he would speak at that center three times a week. And he would speak on Sunday in the temple in Brooklyn. So I was hearing him like four times a week. And so that's, um, I, rem I remember in one of those talks he was giving at, at the, in, on Greenwich Avenue, he said something like, um, he was speaking and he said something like, what do we call it when a person doesn't know when we don't know who we are or something. And, and I, I could see he was alluding to what, because I was reading Prabhupada's books, like Prabhupada say, oh, a madman. <laughs> and so I raised my hand and I said, a madman. And when he heard that, he focused in on yes. me. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> you know, and I think from that point, just because he knew I must be reading the books to use that exact word. Mm. And uh, I think I became a, an object of his, of his mercy <laughs> after that. So I got to know him a bit over that course of that summer. And then in September that year, Gunagrahi Goswami mm. uh, invited me to travel with him. Nice. And so uh, that's when I kind of left everything. I just kind of disappeared from New York. I disappeared from my uh, apartment and just left that life behind and became a brahmachari. Uh, How did your family take this? I was not very close connected. with my family at that point already. anyway. I was already, already a wild kid oh. and it was Rebel. on my own. Yeah, yeah, all of that. So <laughs> it, it, the they black probably sheep of the family, they, they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were one, I was one. <laughs> they, pro they probably didn't know about it for a long time. Even. Okay. But eventually you went and see them. Eventually. Um, you know, it was really when they, when I, 13 years later, of uh, 13 or 14 years later, when I uh, met my wife and then I brought my wife to meet them, I think that made nice. it easier for them to appreciate. The yeah, or um, they worried less. Like, oh, you know, okay, he's married to uh -huh. a beautiful, lovely lady. You know, it's like the, yeah. something here must be okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. not uh, any more rebel, he's not <laughs> punk, and uh, now, okay, yeah. show up, but he's a priest, something you know, nice. Interesting. So then, what you want in book distribution? I'm sure I I was a book distributor. That was my primary service. It was my only service. I mean, aside from serving my guru directly, which I would do when I came to India, uh, I distributed books for 13 years. Yeah. So that is. Uh, I also did Sankirtan for 10 years. So okay. all over India, Nepal, Bangladesh, oh, and traveling, driving the great bus. adventures. Great adventure, great adventure. And, but uh, amazing thing, you know, I still remember from like, in a few days, I was a new book, I went and distributed book, and I was able to speak about Christian conscience. I went back to Maharaj and said, Maharaj, why, where do I get this knowledge? I don't know anything, you know? 
I hardly, I read a few pages of Bhagavad Gita at that time. I said, no, Krishna is in your heart. And Krishna will speak through you. Mm-hmm. I said, oh God, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, but same time it makes you humble because, you know, you meet all kinds of people. And of course, in India, because we were foreigners, so people are attracted to know where you're from, yes. what you're doing, how you become a sadhu and things like that. But New York or America, I guess, is more tough than India because in India, people are more culture, you know. And but, yeah, the more appreciation is there for it. Yeah, <clears throat> especially somebody taking their culture and, you know, they're foreigners, so they have kind of appreciation. But in America, to go in this book and think, oh, are these people shaved up? I don't know if you were wearing robe or saffron. Uh, sometimes more often not. Okay. Yeah, but okay. Uh, still it was... Um, still it was tough, you know. Yeah. I would imagine, I would imagine. Not easy, but, but good rewarding. Training. Good training. Very rewarding. Yeah, right. And after some years, we kind of broke through and found audiences of young people that were into it. And uh, we always, we had a lot of fun, um, you know, just traveling around and meeting people. Yes. And yeah, it was great. You were doing college, university and stuff like that? Um, yeah. During the summer, we would travel and follow concerts, concert mm-hmm. tours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then during the rest of the year, a lot of times we would do college campuses or... Uh, the streets near the college mm. or um, even door to door in the housing areas where the college students lived, things like that. We do nice young people. So they're more yeah. open to receive more some open. kind. Yeah. Okay. Tell us more about your, uh, when you start this wisdom of the sages, because okay. this was, I don't know, not many years ago, of course. No, that was only four years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Raghunath, I had years of book distribution and he had years of being in the band Shelter. So we we're both presenting our uh, our bhakti teachings um, in challenging circumstances every day. So you get to learn how to deal with people and how to express it and all the questions and, and that people bring up. And then... Uh, we both started to get into yoga, him a little bit before me and, and myself afterward, uh, and c- kind of going out into that world and teaching it in that world. So from the years, I don't know, maybe uh, 2004, 2005, he and I were kind of like um, in touch a lot in terms of yoga. And we would also take groups um, to India and, and serve together that way. But what happened with Wisdom of the Sages was it wasn't like we really came up with a plan. What what it was was um, I started reading Bhagavatam every day uh, with my wife and we were just really getting into it. I was kind of like, you know how Vaishesh Prabhu, you know, yeah. gets, you get into it, you know, and, and uh, he said, you know, he said something like, well, if you read 80 verses a day, you read it in six months, you know. So my wife and I just started reading 80 verses of Bhagavatam every day together. And... Uh, I was feeling so enlivened by it. She was feeling so enlivened that I just was telling everybody I knew, yeah, like, hey, you know, it's like, this is it. You know, well, you, you read Bhagavatam. <laughs> we, 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 we have them sitting there on the on the shelf and nothing happens. But as soon as you start to read them, it starts to change your life. And so um, at that time, Raghunath came to me and said, I have a handful of people, like four or five people that wanted to study with him every day. And he said, they wanted to study on Zoom which was before anyone was using Zoom. Yeah, it was before... Yeah, it, was it was the beginning. Yeah, this was 2019. And 
uh, I said, he was asking me, what do you think I ought to do? What should I study? What? I said, why don't you read Bhagavatam every day? You know, just do it. It's, I'm telling you. So he started doing that. And he had just a few people, a handful of people, and they would wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and get on Zoom. And um, he would sometimes um, take a telephone and point it at him and, and broadcast it live on um, Instagram. So a few more people started joining Join. daily. <laughs> it was not called Wisdom of the Sage at the time. It was, it was called, called Super uh, Soul Sacred Super Sangha. Super Soul Sangha. <laughs> that's right. And so... I used to call you sometime. Well, that's the, what happened was... So that was about March 2019 that that started. And uh, over the months, the coming months, it started to grow a little bit because he was broadcasting it live on, uh, on Instagram. So some more people come on Zoom. It was 10 people, 15, 20 people. By the summer that year, he used to invite me on on occasion and we would just kind of spontaneously go through it. No plan or anything like that. And uh, people liked the chemistry. <laughs> of course. <laughs> He's very bubbly and you're very soft and it's, uh, with it's It's like a, a classic formula. Yeah. Where you have yeah. like, uh, you don't, maybe don't know, but in America there's many comedy duos like uh, Abbott and Costello. You ever hear Abbott and Costello? Yes. Abbott and Costello. Uh -huh. Or, uh, and there's a lot of different ones. So you have the straight guy yeah, yeah, and the yeah. kind of the, the, the wild the funny, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like that naturally. And by September that year, I was on every day and it was increasing more and more. It was getting up to like 85 people were tuning in every day. 5 a.m. So we were like, at that point, we said, we should turn this into a podcast and do it real. People are interested. People keep coming back. Right. So why not go ahead and brand it and put it out on the podcast platforms, which we hadn't done before. So that was uh, January 2000, of January 1st uh, of, uh, I'm sorry, not 2000, 2020, that we launched it as Wisdom of the Sages. And... Um, we're doing it every day. And about a month later, we got a big break because Roganoth's, um got an invitation to appear on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, yeah, I remember. I saw it. Yeah. So <laughs> so if that would, invitation would have come a month or two earlier, there would have been really nowhere to send anyone. Yeah. But just when we got our act together, then he got that invitation. And that, that interview that Roganoth did on Joe Rogan is, as far as I can see, is the biggest platform that anyone has ever presented Bhagavad Gita, you know, or Absolutely. these teachings on. There's Absolutely. millions of people yeah. in one event yeah. uh, heard him speak on that. And we got, from that, we got thousands and thousands of listeners uh, right off, right from the beginning. And these are people that hadn't necessarily known anything about bhakti or Krishna consciousness or even yoga. It's just people that were interested in applying some ancient wisdom in their life going through challenges in life and in uh, looking for some kind of profound answers. And uh, we got that kind of audience. And, it's beautiful. Yeah. It was very, very beautiful. It was very nice and interesting. Yeah. To this day, lots of those people that came just still, from that original yeah. Joe Rogan are still with us. We should ask Joe Rogan to do it again. With you this time. <laughs> That'd be nice. There, there have been some He's other. He's a nice guy. He's a nice person. Yeah. He, yeah. It, 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 he was, and he was. Uh, well, he he was actually a friend of Raghunath's from before, uh, but he was he dealt with the topic very respectfully and even yeah. chanted at the end. I think at the very it's last good. thing he said was Hare Krishna. That's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> 
So what's the future of this uh, podcast? And I know you want yeah. to do, you're bringing people to India, you're doing retreats, which is very successful. People get a taste yeah. of the Holy Dom and seeing many different things and different culture. Yeah. But uh, I know, I, I'm sure in the future you will grow more and uh, you will want to have yeah. a base here in Mayapur, I heard. Yeah, I would love, to, to, I would love to have and, a little ashram here that we right. could bring people to for extended yeah. time. Because we have had a lot of, of success, if you want to call it, but we, we've we've been able to bring people to India and it's, it is life-changing, but, um, there's also something to staying for a longer period of time, which if we had our own place, we could offer that at a really, you know, people could just come and give whatever they want. Whereas yes. like normally we're renting out of another building yes. and yes. the prices are higher and right. you can't, you can't do it for too long. So that is something we'd like to do. But, you know, I think we need to create, um, it's, it's an interesting time. I think with COVID, it kind of cracked like a shell of how we present bhakti to people. Absolutely. Right? It, it kind of, people began to take the internet seriously as a way to communicate and practice bhakti. You see, this is the thing about Wisdom of the Sages, is uh, it's not just a class, it's sadhana. Because people, it's hearing Bhagavatam every day, that's shravana. And because it's every day, that's made the difference in people's lives. Nityam Bhagavata Seva. Nityam Bhagavata yeah. Seva. So you do it every day, purify your heart. Yeah. If it was once a week. You can go up and down into the modes. Exactly. Yeah. You get lost. You get lost again. Yeah. But when people are tuning in every day, it makes all the difference. So that was a big thing that we learned. Now, that created a large audience, thousands of people. We averaged something like around 10,000 downloads per day. And these are all kinds of people. Now, we need to build a network in order to serve these people and support these people. Yes. And I think the work that we do with that um, can devotees, all kinds of devotees can benefit from that work. Absolutely. Like what, the first thing that we created was something called Sage Groups, which is an opportunity for people to uh, join a small group, like seven or eight people. There's one kind of more experienced devotee that kind of mm -hmm. helps, not so much a teacher, but helping lead the conversation. They become more personal. That's the point. They make friends. Mm -hmm. They have an opportunity to open up. You know, because even, even if you live in a city with a temple, you could go to that temple. I mean- Sometime, yeah. You don't get you, proper- you, you, you might go there for 10, 15 years and never feel like you have the opportunity to open up, share what you're going through, ask the questions that you need to ask. Yeah. Um, and those little groups are best places to do that. And um, so we got that going. There's a few hundred people in those groups. And that's that's really, people have been really appreciating that. It makes a big difference in people's lives. But we want to create an online academy where they could study um, everything they need to learn. You know, whether it's not just philosophy, but that as well. But all aspects of the culture. Offering all, food. How, how to offer food, how to cook food. How to cook. Um, you know, what is Vaishnava etiquette? Everything that we would learn in temple, they need to learn. Right. And so we want to build that academy, make it kind of like a, an inexpensive subscri subscription-based kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we also need to develop a team that's kind of like, I think, drawing from, like, say, those sage groups, seeing what are the most pressing issues for people that that are challenging to them because basically people practice bhakti 
until they run into some obstacle and then they stop, you know? And so what are, what are the obstacles? Are they philosophical? Are they cultural? Or do they have, maybe they're psychological, maybe they're practical. Um, what, what are the challenges that are in your life that, that are creating hurdles for you that are making it difficult for you to practice? And then have that Tiber respond to that through creating the resources that people need. So let's say it's practical. Like, let's say it's like, um, you know, I have three kids. I don't have any time. I don't think I have time in the day to practice this. And apparently you have to chant 16 rounds and I'm never going to be able to do that. And so I give up. So they need someone to kind of walk them through and say, hey, step you know. Step by step. Step by step. Maybe you can't chant 16 rounds. That's okay. Chant one round. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you chant one round. And you have to learn to see you're raising your children in the context of your bhakti practice. And so maybe, <coughs> excuse me, maybe they need like a um, a course or a video or maybe there needs to be a group, you know, and, and it could be all kind of things. Like yeah. let's say, let's say they're, let's say there are women that are like victims of sexual abuse and they're wondering, you know, like, is it because of my karma or I don't have a peaceful mind because of this and I struggle and maybe they need an, their own group that meets once a month where they can open up and talk about these things. Or, you know, maybe it's a psychological thing. Like some may struggle with depression. It's very personal. Each one is his own. Yes. You know, we have been trained in the temple because we had association with other brahmachari. Yeah. Sometimes they give you slaps. Eh, just <laughs> turn your page, move on, don't worry, go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes somebody sit down with you and yeah. explain to you certain things, certain parameters, certain techniques, which can make you go overcome this thing. Yeah. So, so we want to provide like an entire network of support we need to build all these things. Yes. And so uh, I would say the first things that we have going are one is those sage groups and two um, is the bhakti recovery group. Yeah, the 12 step recovery The 12 step group. recovery group, which is for I people that- this is fantastic. It's helping a lot of people. And that was an old friend of mine, uh, Jiva. Hmm. She and I were friends when we were kids also from that yeah, hardcore yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I hadn't, you know, I, we were friends when we were kids. And then I became a devotee and she went down her, her path was a rough path that had a lot to do with yeah, yeah, addiction and, stuff. And, and mine was as a brahmachari and then as a, yeah. a grihasta. And then we got back together 30 years later uh, and she was developing an interest in Krishna consciousness. And so um, she took off with that idea of the bhakti recovery group and it's really helping a lot of people, helping people discuss a lot of things that um, yeah, they otherwise would have a hard time. Yeah. So those things are in place, but we need to build it more. And and I think if we can build these support systems, that they won't just be for our listeners, but there'll be models that hopefully the other devotees, other devotees yeah. could benefit from. Yeah. Because you need some basic training to do this 12-step recording group because yes. certain people don't know anything about drug. If you ask some Brahmachari from Bengal, I don't know what you know, to answer. You need someone right in You there. need somebody who knows, who <laughs> can need, train. You need people that when they enter that group, they know you know what they're struggling what with. What they're struggling yeah. with. It can be all kind of different. You have the other mother Jew who is a psychiatrist, or psychologist. She's the wife of one of the Mayapuris. Oh, she comes on our show. The Danya. Yeah. She's, Danya. She's, she's amazing. You know, she's I mean, excellent. she's amazing. That's the kind of person that I think so, could play a role on one of these teams. Yeah. That uh, And we've talked to her about that too, to provide. Support. Yeah. Because she can train other people who are in a similar type of uh, training or mind to help other people. Because 
because this would be fantastic because everybody can participate in this. There is no barn of age yeah. or group or color or ethnicity yeah. or language. You know, I mean, it will explode into, into really fine tuning the people into, uh, into the heart, yeah. you know, and connect them with the Lord. It's amazing. Good job, good job. Oh, we're just getting started. Thank you. Uh, when devotees yeah, like wonderful. yourself, senior devotees appreciate it, it gives us a lot of energy. No, I think there is a lot of devotees who appreciate this that you don't know because they're just watching. We are the others. Okay. <laughs> so you don't see us on Zoom, but yeah. we are listening every day. Exactly. I introduce many other people and they're listening and they're really, everybody's fired up and everybody think this is... This is the desire of the Acharya that we are introducing this Christian consciousness to all type of people. Yes. Now, it's easy for somebody in India to become a devotee, let's say, because, you know, you scratch a little bit, Prabhupada say, uh -huh. in the yeah, Indian yeah. heart, there is some bhakti <laughs> right. because of the culture and everything. Although the new kids now, they are not anymore like before because these new kids born in rich family, they sent to abroad and study. And there's a lot of and Western Yeah, there's a lot of Western influence and a lot of Western culture. You know, by default, they become like the Westerners. You know, but still, we can preach and bring them back, whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of enthusiasm amongst the young people there's in India now. There's a lot now. of enthusiasm. We have to do, we have, we have a lot of work to do. Sure do. We have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifetime in preparation. We did our job and I'm sure that uh, when we will leave this planet, you know, Krishna will say, and just got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us more about uh, your personal life. My personal life? Yes. What would you like to know? <laughs> no, how, how you, you know, I mean, you are maybe not going every day to the temple, you know, or yeah. because you're not living very close. Yeah, I, I live, uh, people that know Manhattan in New York, I, I live on the Upper West Side. Okay. So uh, the 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 center that I'm most connected with is the Bhakti Center. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, which you know I was kind of involved in since the beginning. Nice. Um, and so yeah, you, you know, um, I'll 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 probably pop in there about once or twice a week. Nice. You know? um, nice. But yeah, but I. But let's say how you maintain your sadhana. What time uh, you wake up in the morning? I wake up very because early. we want to tell this yeah. the, the, that everybody can practice in their house wherever they um, are. It's not just because we are in a temple. Yeah, yeah. My daily schedule is a little unusual. I wake up very early, so um, it can sometimes as early as two thirty or three thirty. Usually three thirty at latest, something like that. Um, and then those early morning hours, I use them a lot for, um, study and preparation for the podcast, which we used to do at 5 a.m. Okay. Uh, now a lot of times we do it at 6 a.m., something like that. Um, so those hours are nice for, to chant. Because your brain study. is clean and it's, yeah. uh, yeah. Brahma Muhurta is called, yeah. it's very satric. Yeah, I also so may use that time for writing. And You're writing a book? I'm working on something, yeah, yeah. And so, you don't uh, want to disclose what you're writing? <laughs> sooner, that'll come out sooner. Love story <laughs> with Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, uh, let's say I do the podcast at six. Mm -hmm. So it means I have to set up for it a little bit before then and um, then do the podcast. Then I have to, uh, when the podcast is done, I have to do the kind of the write up for it. Um, and, and uh, make the thumbnail and that kind of thing and send that off. So maybe it's by 7.30, 8 o'clock, I'm kind of done. So now I've been up since like say 3.30, it's 
it's eight, eight thirty now. I've been time up, for breakfast. Yeah, time for a little breakfast. Maybe take a little nap after that or something sure. like that. Yeah. And then the morning I might use to get things done. Um, it it, it uh, I'll probably start to chant more at that point. Okay. Um, and um, uh, do the kind of you know correspondence or phone calls yeah, or well, follow up with all the kind of other services that I might be involved with. Plus, you have deed in your house, but your wife is taking care of that. My wife does most of that seva. Beautiful. On the Kaddishis, I, I also nice. take part. And then um, in the afternoon, that may be time for for study as well. It may be, uh, sometimes I like to just go out and um, go, to, uh, go to the park, maybe read out there. Or yeah. in New York, I'm fortunate because the devotees are out on Harinam every day. Sometimes I like to go out and join the devotees on Harinam. Nice. nice. Um, if it's summertime, I might go out to the beach. I'd nice. like to get out there a few times a week just to for for the health and, and yeah, all of that of it. The sun is important. Yeah, yeah, and the water is good. Um, and then uh, you know, light meal in the um, in the evening and uh, go to sleep early. Try to go to sleep early. So it's something like that. Seven thirty-eight. Um, I'm winding down at that time. Yeah, maybe like eight thirty-nine. Okay, like that. good. that's good. That's good. Nice. So you maintain a good sadhana. That's very important. You know, it's unusual because a lot of my chanting I do later in the day because I need that time for study, especially in the morning. So uh, whether it's good sadhana, <laughs> I'm working on it. Everybody's tailoring his own sadhana <laughs> yeah, according yeah. to that, what their priority is. I, I, um, I feel, you know, like I just turned 58 years old and I feel like uh, I need to begin to chant the holy name more purely. That's that's weighing on me. So um, that's going to become a, a, a more serious priority in my life uh, as we go forward. But uh, then then hopefully we can call it good sadhana. <laughs> <laughs> a similar program to your, only I wake up in the morning and I start chanting my round chanting first right thing right. first. Yes. And I get some solid amount of round and I start a little bit. And also I do different services and things, but yeah, I feel like my priority is both studying, but more important, I feel like chanting, chanting because yeah. if the quality of my rounds are good, then all day I'm totally blissful and I'm able to take on any service or any, anything which comes in my way, I'm able to con interact in a positive way. You, you know, um, when I'm up early and chanting early, like in the whole city's asleep. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. and and I'm I'm alone there with with my deities in my house, which is like a little temple in my apartment. Yeah. And that's it's really special time. Absolutely, you know, it's really special time. Um, if people, it's it, we get habituated. You see, I we'll was say we're getting addicted. <laughs> you know, I cannot stop chanting. You know, the other day I went to the barber. I took my phone, I put Radio Maya, I said, well, I'm not listening to somebody, put Radio Maya, <laughs> listen to somebody, you know, something. I'm getting addicted. That's, well, that's a good addiction. <laughs> but but I think the years that I spent as a brahmachari, they, um, it's not like I've been getting up this early ever no. since then. As a brahmachari, I did. And then I went through years where I was getting up, you know, still early, relatively early, but not so early. But something as I was getting older just kind of clicked in my body that I just started waking up very early again. Like it, like that brahmachari training just kind of awakened in me. And um, I know that for most people who haven't had that experience, getting up so early sounds, 
even getting up at four, four thirty, even five, it sounds like it's way too early. But um, there's something there, you know. We if we lose a lot of times, people say, "I just don't have time for all this." We, mostly, we waste a lot of time. And if we can cancel Maybe that GR next Netflix night. subscription yeah, Netflix and, and all this, and go to sleep early. We can wake up in that time that we have there. It's gold. Oh, it's golden. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and we only have so many days left. Yeah. Yeah, right? And, and these hours become very important. And if you get some really quality time in the in the early morning hours every day, that makes all the difference. And without that, it's going to be hard to go deeper. It's going to be hard to take it to the next level. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you got to grab that time and not let it go. I think that is the connection we have with the Lord through this chanting. Because in this Kali Yuga, the only thing is the chanting of the only name, you know? Yes. Nam. So, um, and, but this is very personal relationship with the Lord. So once we chant with, I don't say love, but with attention, yeah. I think Krishna recognizes that we are there and it yeah. makes so many things happen into our life which are special, which are... You could say, oh, this is just happening, but it's not, you know, yes. that, that Krishna, you can feel his, his hand behind, he's guiding you and make you understand it. Yeah. You know, there's these three different levels of chanting, you yes. know, there's that inattentive or, you know, offensive chanting apparat. And then there's that namabas, that clearing stage where there's attentive chanting going on. It's not the, it's not the shudanam no. yet yes. where the tears are coming and the yeah. voice is choking up, <laughs> but I'm, I really as again, as those, as my, the days of my life are ticking away, I can say, I cannot stay stuck on this inattentive chanting. I can't, I can't, the, there's just not, it's got to change. I got to at least get into that, you know, attentive chanting. Um, and then eventually th that, that, that chanting is very powerful. Yeah. And so, uh, I think as devotees, we got to, we, we, we got to push ourselves. We got to find the ways to, to find that we got to inspire one another. Absolutely. Yeah, it's too, otherwise, sadhu <laughs> yeah, so otherwise it's too easy to stay stuck. Yeah. No, we should not get stuck because as you know, <clears throat> the water flow in the river and where it gets stuck is... <laughs> it's not so nice. It's not so nice. <laughs> yeah. So any future plan you have now apart from this, uh, I mean, program you're doing and there is anything which you would like to share with our audience about apart from the preaching and the book yeah. you're writing and your son and, uh, and anything you like to tell Future us. Future plans? Yeah. In, in some ways, I have to kind of just see what Krishna indicates and what the Vaishnavas okay. indicate. Um, okay. Like I say, like, for instance, the there was a time in my life where the Bhakti Center was my every, I, I pictured myself just like, that would be, I, I'm going to die just serving directly this, this center. And then, you know, uh, things just kind of changed a little bit and my service shifted. And now it's like the, the primary service I do is, is the podcast. Yes. And uh, who knows, like it may be a, f a few years down the road, we're saying the podcast was just jumped into something else. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was something that led to something else. So like I said, we didn't plan to do that podcast and I don't know what Krishna holds in the future. All I know is that um, if the more, the more detached I become, from all my all my anarthas and everything that holds me back, um, and, and the more I'm open to Krishna's to to the 
the grace of Krishna and the grace of the devotees, then Krishna can lead our lives in all kinds of exciting ways that we can't even anticipate. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other so words, we see. become a puppet in the end of Krishna. <laughs> Krishna, let me dance the way you want. You make me dance. Like Srila Prabhupada wrote a poem and say, I went yes. to New York. So you, I don't know why you bought me here, but I'm a puppet in your hand. If you want me to dance, let me dance. Let it's, me dance. it's, it's, um, we, I think the average person here says, I don't want to be anyone's puppet, but we are the puppets of the material energy. Absolutely. And, and, and we're hanging on to that. If we just could learn to let go, it's all these petty little things in our lives that we hold on to that have no importance and no value, but we're thinking they're important. So I'm just trying to let go. <laughs> and I would love to be that puppet in, in, in the hands. That's of wonderful. That's wonderful. And I'm sure with the Vaishnava's blessing and uh, association of the Holy Dhamma, things will become more and more manifested. And Raghunath is such a wonderful devotee. Plus, you're surrounded by so many other wonderful devotees. So, okay, I want to ask you an interesting question because one time I I wrote with some of the sage and then one guy come and say, oh, this guy's a fake and this and that. (laughs) I don't know. I said, what? What is this? Is this, it could be a publicity stunt, I said, because when somebody come and say this, Uh oh, these people will indoctrinate you. I don't know. you, You saw this? Oh, some video? Um, yeah, one video I saw on one YouTube. Video. Yeah, 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 I saw one fat guy. And say, <laughs> yeah. I was a deprogrammer. Be careful. This wisdom of the sages. They are Hare Krishna. You know, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What What do you want to say about this? Oh. Is a made up stuff or is it real? This guy is real. I, don't, I just think he didn't understand who we are and what we do. It, it, it's like we're not trying to hide that no, what no, we do. No, it's, yeah. he, he, it seemed like his video, he was saying... Um, these guys are trying to trick you or something like that. We're pretty pretty <laughs> wide open about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just, you know, we're just um practicing Krishna consciousness and trying to make it uh try to do it in a way that's um I suppose what what happened with Wisdom of the Sages that may be different is that it was just done the format was like entertaining, you know, and so um It is entertaining. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it just made it easy for people to listen to. But uh, it's not like we were trying to. It's not that we were or are trying to hide anything. No. It, 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 I think, <clears throat> I think maybe this person had some kind of um, like he's kind of living in the past, where like a devotee has to wear yeah, certain clothes. clothes. This is just us. We that's the way we dress, and yeah. you know. Like I'm, I'm here in my poor right now. I'm in my poor. I usually no, dress like this. You in New York, you back wear in New York, shirt. Yeah, no that's problem. how I dress. What's and and uh, and so we're kind of like, if anything, we're too much just being ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So things hmm. like that don't. But that being said, honestly, I'm shocked that there's not more criticism. <laughs> there, there's 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 so little criticism of what we do. I, I I'm always expecting like people are going to start, yeah, like really getting on us. These guys are this, these guys are that. We almost very little of that kind of negative uh, stuff do we get. I'm surprised actually. So Krishna has been soft on us. Merciful. People, yeah, people have been no, I was thinking because if there is something negative, you know, Mussolini used to say, oh, if you have a lot of enemy, it means you're very good. So <laughs> like that. You know? Well, there is there is <laughs> certainly truth that, um, uh-huh that the only way to avoid criticism is to do nothing because anyone, and here's one thing I feel strongly about is the broader community of, of devotees that, that 
we spend way too much time presenting our ideas and uh, criticizing other people and what they're doing. I, I, the, I don't see any criticism any time. I don't know why. You don't, I'm sorry? I don't see that you are criticizing no, 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 no. in a podcast. I, no, in the podcast, we def, that's like, we just we don't avoid, go there. Right? My, my, my point is that as a, as a community of devotees, oh, okay, I, okay. I think we spend too much time uh, talking about, you know, we should be doing that or we shouldn't be doing this or these people are doing that, but they should be doing it my way. I see it this way. There's going to be people that see things differently. Always. Just go out and let, do it. yeah, just appreciate, even if you don't agree with how they're presenting things, Appreciate that they're trying. And and if you're convinced that my way is the right way and my way is the way that's blessed by the Acharyas, <laughs> then do it and show yeah. it. Don't talk about it. Yeah. Do it. And and uh and then let's let's see what and maybe maybe they're both good ideas, you know, or or maybe one isn't such a great idea, and that'll be shown because this other one will will, will manifest, will flourish. So just let people do what they want to do and and <laughs> all the time that's wasted, you know talking about no i don't see uh, i don't see many people as as long as the devotees i don't see many people criticizing your group and our wisdom of the sages but you say in general i'm surprised, that, general. I'm surprised that we don't get criticized more yeah and, and um but i'm just saying in general yeah 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 that of course everybody general, has their so. theories about of course of course and on anything on anything, on anything. you can go and buy tomatoes. Oh, why do you buy this tomato? You're going <laughs> to buy the red one. How much did you pay? The cheat you, this, that. Oh, it's somebody. That's the nature of this time. world. That okay, we just next time waste you time. Buy. <laughs> yeah, that's the nature of this world that we waste time doing that. And as Vaishnavas, yeah, we, we don't need. Nah. Yeah. I was saying last time, you can be like a honeybee or you can be like a fly. So oh, it's your God. choice. You can see the good things in everybody, or you can just be a fly and I, find fault. I found one nice quote from Prabhupada. I'm sure I could remember exactly how he said it, but he said, um, "He says, if if I criticize you and you criticize me, then we both we we end up very far from Krishna. <laughs> no time for that." So tell me one of your most favorite sloga from the Bhagavad Gita. Oh, Bhagavad Gita. <sighs> or Bhagavadam, whatever, Chaitanya Charitamrita, any scripture, you know, anything which is you feel in your heart. What I, I know that uh, that uh, Prabhu, you were saying, what's his name? Uh, he carrying his pocket. Uh, it's tall, blue eyes. You were just saying his name. Vaishya uh, Yeah, he has, he's a demigod. Whenever I see him, I say, hey, you're a demigod. I'm a semi-dog. <laughs> because he looks so handsome and effulgent and he carries always a message. I know that all of us, we have some attraction for some sloga, which we remember, which will, you know, in any situation, take us. He's like a walking um, Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita, yeah, yeah he knows my heart. Yeah. He's special. Uh, you know, sometimes lately I've been thinking a lot about the shloka. Um, oh, I just need the first word though. Much tata sarvadurgani. What is it? Much tata sarvadurgani, mat prasada tarisisi. That um, if you simply become conscious of me, right, then by my grace you will cross over all the obstacles. <laughs> that means we have to learn to see Krishna everywhere and everything and yes. everybody. Because Krishna is there everywhere. Prabhu, this is this is um a lot of the way that a lot of where my concentration goes now in my life, I, you know, is to try 
to feel God in my heart at all the times and see God in the heart of every living being, or as you're saying, to see God everywhere. That's another shloka that, you know, one who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, to them I'm never lost, and nor are they ever lost to me. These these kind of verses, or, you know, when I'm in front of uh, Lord Nishingadev here, you know, Ito Nirsingha Parato Nirsingho Yato Yato Yamitaton. Bahir Nirsingho, Tridaye Nirsingho. You're outside. You're outside, you're inside. That's something that... um I want to understand that not just theoretically, but I want to understand that. I want to really feel that and see that. Um, and so a lot of my prayer um, is in this area. Pratics makes man perfect. So as we train ourselves with our eyes and our intelligence and link everything, because there is nothing but Krishna. <laughs> yeah. I was just reading, uh, just before I came here, I was reading uh, Prabhupada, it was, I'm not sure if it was Prabhupada or it may have been from the 11th Canto, so it may have been other commentators. Yeah. But they were, it was a brilliant verse. I wish I could remember exactly what verse it was, but it was, um, it was talking about seeing Krishna in everything. And the commentary was saying how, just like there's certain people that um, see how to make money everywhere. Mm. Wherever they look, they see. If you bring them out to the forest, they're thinking, oh, nice if we cut tree. down these trees, we can, <laughs> we'll we can sell them and make paper out of them. And there's some people that are like some men that are seeing like women everywhere, right? Like wherever they go, they're, they're looking for, for women. Especially Italian. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and he said, in the similar way, we need to be seeing Krishna everywhere. That, that everything that I'm seeing, I'm seeing it as Krishna's energy. I'm not seeing anything disconnected. This is the vision I really, I pray for. I really, I really, 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 really want that. You know, and I think we have to beg for it. And we have to, as you're saying, like train our mind to see it everywhere. Yes. You know, reflect as we go through through life um, <clears throat> to, to, to see what we know is there. And the more that we remind ourselves, reflecting on what we've heard, the more that we begin to see it that way. Sometimes, you know, I feel like uh, it's easy to see Krishna everywhere when things are going nice. And... Uh, but uh, sometimes when we go through some obstacles, then we start to think, why is Krishna giving me this trouble? Why this person is doing this? Why I had an accident? What if I turn less and start right? What if I start five minutes before? Something, so many things. But we have to learn to see Krishna That's, that also. That verse that I quoted, that, that um, much chata sarva durgani. So much chata, if you become conscious of me, then sarva durgani, all these uh, difficulties, um, Mud Prasada Tursisi, you'll cross over them. He doesn't say that you won't encounter no, them. You won't encounter them, yeah. <laughs> so so but they they, they actually become uh, where the real growth takes place. You know. It reminds me of one of the Acharyos said that whenever I think of sex life, my lip curls in disgust and I spit on the thought. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, Jamunacharya. Jamunacharya. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that, okay, you see a beautiful woman, you start to see the soul, maybe, yes, if you're trained. But yeah, otherwise, you could be he tempted was, anytime. He was inside the heart speaking on himself. Yeah, I think he was um, feeling disgust at his own attachments yeah, and yeah, spitting yeah. at that, right? Not spitting yeah. at the thought of the woman herself, no, no, but spitting, spitting at like... on the thought in his mind. Past, why? Why? Yeah, why is this coming to me? Do you know that story about Yamunacharya yeah. and uh, that, that one sadhu wanted to go visit him because he saw that he he was kind of getting lost in yeah. the kingly life? And tell he, us, tell us. I, I, I don't remember the name of the person, but uh, Yamunacharya, 
because he came from a very devotional background, but then yes. he became king. And then as a king, he was losing touch with it because there's so much opulence. Oh, yeah. You know, you got wealth and power and fame and beautiful wives and, and all this and you get lost. And so this sadhu, he couldn't reach him because he was just, he's a king, he's a big king. Uh, so what he did was he would, he would get some very special. It's called Brahmi Shak, oh, which is available here, really? which is very good for brain. It's very small leaves. Actually, his guru sent one of the brahmacharyas and said, you have to go and retrieve this. My disciple is lost in this kingdom. Yeah. So when the brahmachari goes through the gate and the guards stop him, hey, where are you going? Oh, I want to speak to the king. He's my friend. Yeah, yeah right. Get lost. <laughs> <laughs> so he went every day and gave this shark, Brahmi shark, to the cook. And the cook cooked it. And he said, the king will like, give me every day. So for one month, he gave him the shark every day. I'm sorry, I'm taking over no, no, your right, description go, because I it. start to remember. Yeah. But then one day it didn't come. It stopped it. It stopped it. One today it didn't come. And then the king called the cook and said, yeah, where is my shop? So I don't know the guy who bring it every day. It didn't come. What is it? Did you pay him? No, 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 I didn't pay him. I said, why? He's a brahmachari. He said that you like it. He said, okay, when he comes next time, bring him to me. That's right. <laughs> and so he went there and he brought him. And that time he said, well, actually my guru, our guru sent us, you remember we were brahmachari in Ashram Gurukul. And he sent the treasure. He said, there's a treasure for you to go and pick it up. He said, no problem. I'll call my minister. He said, no, 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 no. You have to come alone, me and you. We have to go alone. We have to go and retrieve this. That's the only way. He said, okay. So he left his son in charge of the kingdom and everything. And they start to walk in the forest. And the guru start to read the Bhagavad Gita and the king start to again remember his spiritual. And finally they reached Sri Rangam and said, this is the treasure. And there is Ranganath Swami laid down, beautiful is the Lord. Yeah, the, you know, the guru wanted you to take care of this temple. And then you remained there and never went back uh, to the kingdom. So that was the beginning of a revival of his revival devotion. Of consciousness. Yeah. Amazing story. And so I think after that, then he goes and he looks back at his life and he says, oh, look, I, I was trying to exploit Krishna's energy. I saw it as, as separate from him, as, it as if it belongs to me. No, uh, it's not. And then feeling a deep sense of remorse for that. <laughs> That's that, 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 that bitter taste. There's something very sweet about it because it's an, it's an, it's an awakening, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wonderful story. Kasuba Prabhu is, uh, I'm sure we can go on forever here, <laughs> but we come to, a, I think, conclusion on our time. Would you like to give a message to all our audience today? Well, your audience is especially the devotees. All over the world, devoted and listening to the radio, devoted, non-devoted. Most people are devoted, yes. I think um, that we should have faith. Okay. That, that um, Krishna works in all kinds of wonderful and beautiful ways. And, um, if we look at nature, we see some, sometimes you plant a seed and it grows very quickly. Something comes out of the ground and some, some things you plant and the seed is underneath the ground and it's building its whole platform before it even begins. And it takes a long time, but then it comes up and it grows very strong. We don't know, um, in our own life, we may think I've been trying for so long and still, uh, I, I haven't developed a pure prema. I don't think it'll ever come. Or we, or we look at our efforts in the world to, to um, bring Krishna consciousness to people and we say, oh, you know, we're failing, we're not reaching people, it'll never happen, how could we ever change the world? I think we should have complete faith. Complete faith that, that in this life, 
by the grace of Krishna, if we if we decide I want to give this life to the Lord, that that by the blessings of the Vaishnavas and and um, and Krishna, we can we can get uh, Krishna Prem in this life, and that we should never doubt. We should never doubt that bhakti can and will change the entire world. I'm convinced that it will. I I, I um I don't know if it's going to look exactly like we all think it might look like. I think it might manifest in all kinds of ways we never dreamt. It may come from people that we didn't expect it to come from. It may spread in ways that we never thought that it would spread. But I have complete faith that the 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 wisdom in the bhakti culture, the beauty in the bhakti culture, the the beautiful theology and the beautiful conceptions in the bhakti culture are destined to to catch fire in the hearts of people all over the world. And so have faith. That's that's my message. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure being with you today. It's a pleasure to be with you. That's enlightening and uh, inspirational, I should say. <laughs> so I hope next time you come to Mayapur, we'll have more podcasts and we'll have time to share with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so Let's much. chant the Maha Mantra for all the audience. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur.